Hello and welcome to the Sacred Remembering Podcast, the place for modern women who are waking up to the truth of who they are, with me as your host, Sarah Poet. Now, if the word sacred is throwing you a little bit, that's okay. Have you had that moment as a modern woman where you went, wait, I left something of myself back there along the way? Well, if so, then you're already on a path of sacred remembering and you're actually in the right place. We know that modern women are rising, but we don't do it by fighting. We do it by remembering who we are and standing in that truth. And here in this space, we remember together through stories and tools and curiosity. And in doing so, we bring forward the place of women in our modern world. Now let's begin. Hey, it's Sarah, the host here and the creator of Embodied Breath, my private practice where I use alchemical coaching and healing methodologies to help you live into your full truth so that you can be who you desire to be in the world. I believe that every woman has a truth that she's not yet telling and that to own that truth changes and even saves her life. At sarahpoet.com, you'll find trauma-sensitive tools, practices, meditations, my TEDx for modern women, an e-course for women to shift from silence into sacred truth, my blog with many more personal stories, information on conscious relationship and my work with couples and sacred union, links to working with me in various durations privately for leadership coaching and otherwise. You can schedule a consultation right there on the website if that's for you. Everything changes when we align to the truth of who we are, when we stop identifying with our old stories and traumas, and when we own that sacred truth and claim the path of sacred remembering for ourselves. I believe that it is the formula for everything from personal alchemy to planetary shifts. Thank you for being here, and thank you for helping to create change with your life at this time. Rose Madeline is a single mother to two children, ages 10 and 5. After living a life playing by the rules, she got pregnant at age 30. Her child was diagnosed with autism before the age of 1, but she shares in this episode how she actually knew this before he was born. Rose details how her own awakening is inextricably linked to her son's autism diagnosis, and she made brave decisions along the way allowing her son's own inner truth and his health to be her guide. In doing so, his symptoms have improved dramatically. This is a story for every parent of a child with autism, but also just for every parent. It certainly got my wheels turning. Rose now chooses to unschool her children as she finds the most freedom in this method in the pursuit of discovering their authentic desires. She is an energy reader and a conduit for spirit, spending most of her time currently working one-on-one with clients over the phone. And as a conduit for a spirit and a seer, she can pinpoint the areas in your being where you are out of alignment and provide a mirror to your soul. And after meeting Rose, I 100% believe that this is true. You already know the truth on a subconscious level, and she will remind you of the power that you hold and give you a nudge back in the right direction. 
She untangles the energetics that are blocking you to your truth. And her website is rosemadeline.com. We recorded this in April, in the middle of the pandemic, and the implications for how we choose to relate to school, to nature, to the truth of one another, and even to time itself are so deep and reflected at this time and through this episode. I hope you enjoy. Hi, Rose. Welcome to the Sacred Remembering Podcast. Hello. Thanks so much for being here today. We are talking about mothers all of May, and I really respect your story and your willingness to share it here. So thank you so much. Welcome. I'm excited. Wonderful. So we, I I love to start with this story of who we are and our story of remembering. And so I'd love to start there with you and then bridge into the conversation of motherhood. But we say that sacred remembering is modern women waking up to the truth of who they are. And I'm wondering if there was a story in your life about who you were as a young person and a period of forgetting and then a period of remembering. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I can go into a bit of my background because that rings true to me for sure. Um, I grew up um, in the Pacific Northwest of Canada. Um, I had parents that um, I would say were very <laughs> neglectful, and uh, and um, I had spent a lot of time alone in in the forest outside. I did not um, was not a fan of school, and because my parents were neglectful, they didn't care so much. So I didn't spend a lot of time in school. I spent a lot of time outdoors. Um, I had a hard time connecting with other people, making friends. Um, I was very connected to the elements. Um, I had at that time a deep connection into being able to tap into other people's sources or seeing when people are out of alignment to the truth of who they are. And it always confused me as a kid because I didn't understand, um, why everybody didn't have that kind of knowing within them. And then um, throughout my childhood, I had a series of um, traumatic events unfold um, that led up to 9-11, which at that point in time caused, I just was really kind of shut down with fear in my system. And after 9-11, I I was um, 21 years old and I met my who would, uh, a man that would become my husband for 16 years, two weeks after. And um, during that 16 year period, I was very, I guess you could say I shut down from my, the gifts that I had as a child. Um, I spent my twenties working as a financial advisor. Um, I felt very stuck in my career, which I feel, you know, a lot of people can relate to. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what my passions were. I spent a lot of my weekends getting blackout drunk um, just to kind of ease the overall discomfort that I felt knowing, I think on a soul level, knowing I was in the wrong place with my job. I was in the wrong relationship, but really not knowing how to get out, um, so to say. Um, 
and really just like deeply asleep and not in my own, like not embodied, not, not, you know, what people would consider woke or any way, or just kind of doing what is prescribed um, by the general program of, you know, um, go to school, get the job, get married, um, have all those things. And I had a lot of financial success. I had like the whole picket fence dream that a lot of, you know, strive for. Um, when I was 30, my, um, husband and I decided to have a child. And I think on a subconscious level, I felt like that was my way out of my career because I didn't feel society would think it would be appropriate for a woman just to leave her job to figure out who she is without that, um, in some way when I look yeah. back. But you were kind of considering that or you I mean, like, I just, how do I get out? I felt deeply stuck, but I also was very trapped into this notion of caring so much what other people thought. And that prevented me from making changes in my life. So I was very much in like what society thinks I should do, what my parents think I should do, what my friend circles think I should do. And I didn't think it was really appropriate to just, you know, quit your job and, and, and sit still <laughs> to yeah. figure things out, especially at 30. I, even at 30, I felt very much like I was too late. Like it was too late for me. <laughs> right. And which is funny now that I'm coming up on 40, I still, <laughs> I mean, 30 just seems so young, right? Yeah, you're like, I still got so many years. No, right? <laughs> so I got time. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so I had a child and, um, you know, the universe has a funny way of giving us exactly what we want. So um, my, my first child um, was born in 2010. And when um, this is I, his whole life and his whole being stump, stumbles into my awakening and my parenting. It's all like interconnected. So it's hard to separate the stories. Um, when I was pregnant with him, I had a very clear vision um, about um, him being autistic and me being an advocate. And I hadn't had visions um, since I was a child, but it was this It kind of like, it was the beginning of waking up um, and it deeply impacted me. So what did you do? So you were pregnant and you had this vision that he was going to be autistic. Did you believe yourself? Like what happened? So at that time, I remember it and it was very impactful. And um, it's funny because I've had, looking back, many visions that have come true. Like almost, I mean, all of them. So, um, but at that time, I just kind of was like, okay. And um, I put it aside until he was born and I could energetically feel that he was very um, different from other children. Um, And he had um, severe autism. Um, He, as a small baby, he didn't hit any of the milestones. Um, You know, like he, he wouldn't even look at you, wouldn't respond to his name, didn't smile. He was very gross motor delayed. Like there were, it was very clear that there was something very different about him. And at nine months of age uh, was the first time, you know, you go and you take your baby to the the checkups, right? And so at his nine-month check-in was the first time my doctor said that he probably has autism. And um, at that time, we were presented with two different options. Um, We were um, in Canada, we have a free healthcare system, but in order to have your child um, go through the autism diagnosis there at that time, um, back in 2011, um, when he was nine months old, it was an 18 month to two year wait to get yeah. to go through the system. So we were presented to, you know, to, to get in the wait list or we could pay privately to have him assessed. And so, um, you know, I did what I thought was the right thing to do. I went home and I read all the books and did all the research and, um, you know, came across information, um, 
that early intervention therapies are the best bet for children with autism, especially when they're young because their brains are developing. And so um, thinking I was doing the best for my child, I went back and um, his father and I at the time decided to have him privately diagnosed. And that happened at um, 10 months of age. But what we didn't realize was that he was the youngest child in North America or that they could find any example of, um, we were told to have a diagnosis that early and it caused a tremendous um, stir in the community, um, not only personally from family and friends who judged us, um, but from the government who um, initially refused to give us funding to access services because um, of his age, pretty much. And so for months, I would call the government and fight with them. um, And they would, you know, continue to ask me why I thought my child deserved this. And um, after a couple months, I decided to go to the media and we were featured on CBC on news on a Friday. And then on the Monday, we had funding to supposedly help our child. And so um, we started therapy services with our child. Um, We had the means to access anything that we wanted for him as far as different types of services and um, methods and you know, products and anything you can imagine, um, different types of diets, um, different types of like supplements or natural past stuff. Like we, I left no stone unturned when it came to exploring what I could do to help my child. Um, it wasn't until, um, he was about three and a half, um, where I started noticing the dangerous effects of therapy on him, um, specifically, um, ABA or Applied Behavioral Analysis Therapy, um, which is basically where they take your child and they um, ask them to do certain tasks that they don't want to do and um, reward them when they do it. So the rewards could be their choice of activity. It could be food. It could be um, attention. It's almost like um, here, do this this way. And then if you do it, then you'll get a reward. And um, I didn't realize it at the time, but it was basically systematically trying to um, turn my child into something he wasn't. Like shape behavior, shape the the human. Exactly. And so as he grew older, his trauma grew, his resentment grew. And at three and a half, he became extremely violent. Um, I could not leave my arm's length away. He would throw, he would hit, he would spit on people, he would yell and scream, and Mm. he was unable to function outside of the house. Um, He was unable to function in a school setting um, without being drugged. And we did try that for a short period of time because it got to a point where I was just at my wits end, I was still, you know, I had realized that um, the therapy had done the damage and, but it took years Mm -hmm. to be be like deprogram him. Like he still will not do a puzzle (laughs) because it's almost like he has PTSD from the program that he experienced as a young child. Um, But he, it took years and years of that. And at some point as a mom who also had a second child, come along the way and a, you know, husband at the time that was at work the whole time. And it was just me and my son who was violent. I needed to, um, I felt like using the the drugs for a short period of time gave me a moment to kind of like catch my breath, so to speak. 
So I don't have any shame that I did it. But as I kind of came online and started remembering the truth of who I was, which, um, if I'm honest, is really, I'm just like my son. Like if I was, if my parents were more tuned in and if they had forced me to play by the rules and go to the schools and that I probably would have freaked out just like uh, my son. And what I think is like, I mean, I probably could have been on a spectrum diagnosis myself. And what my conclusion is, is that these kids are tapped into a higher dimension. They come out of the box already knowing who they are. And we are people that do not want to be out of our own alignment. And when we are, so my son is just a big mirror. So if he feels that um, I'm out of alignment, it meets his destruction. It's so him as his mom, when I was asleep, if I'm out of my alignment, that's when he would be violent. Or when I would try and cause him to be something he's not, that's when he'd be violent. And it wasn't until I started putting those pieces together to sit in my own truth and just to allow him and watch him um, that he began, he, he stopped. I mean, I took him off the drugs. I took him out of the school system. Um, it was a slow process because of course, you know, we received judgment for doing that every step of the way, but it started off like, okay, we're not going to do homework. We're, um, when you're at home, you can do whatever you want. And then it started with, okay, well, let's go to school maybe only a couple days a week. And then it escalated into finally taking him out. Um, and and how old was he when you took him out? Um, so he was at school, um, and because he was so violent at school, this is another thing. He wasn't able to go into the public school system. They just didn't have the the support or the resources. Wow, okay. He was declined from every private school we attempted to get him into in Vancouver. And, um, the only school that would take him was a Catholic school, um, out in the burbs. Um, and I mean, I'm grateful that they accepted him, but I mean, the whole Catholic and the religious thing had its own, um, <laughs> implications and but needless to say my child who is <laughs> a radar for truth <laughs> <laughs> i mean i every on a weekly basis i would have to like football carry him out of the school because he'd be like kicking and spitting on the principal and yelling and so like he was just not going to participate mm-hmm. um unless he was drugged right and i mean i didn't want i wanted to know the truth of my kid i didn't want him to to be drugged so that i could he could fit in a program, right? So that he could fit in. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so I have a history of, um, working with individuals with autism in the school system. I was sharing a little bit with you before we started. And, um, one of the, one of the main transition points for me, actually leaving the education career and, and starting in body breath, my practice was because I was working with so many parents who just had such a, uh, like a a problem with who their children were. Mm -hmm. And I was working in a private residential therapeutic school for individuals with autism and I had designed the academic portion. And so, you know, part of my job was almost like parent coaching how to accept your child for who they are, because there was a lot of sending the child to the school to um, fix or mold. And, and I think that that's the way that our society ha- in my opinion, has primarily dealt with autism. Like we have our way of being human and we want individuals with autism, like the collective we want the individuals with autism to fit into it. So a lot of the treatments are 
how to learn to interact with others in society, how to learn to have relationships, how to learn to behave, how to learn um, to self-soothe so that you can sit in the desk, so that you can play the game of society. Um, And so you are telling a story about being a mama who you are doing the research, you're, you know, believing and and thinking that the interventions are the best thing for your child and that it might help your child to be more successful, um, feel better, you know, be his best self. And then, and then there's this period of time where you're realizing like, Oh my gosh, these interventions are actually distracting him from who he is meant to be and, and who he's meant to be on this on this planet, but you said something that I, I want to go back to and I want to kind of like slow it down because I think it's one of the most powerful things I've ever heard, honestly, where you were saying that you noticed when your son had flare ups, these are my words. I'm not a great quoter, but mm-hmm. so he would escalate when you were out of your alignment with your own truth. Can you Can you speak more to that? I'm fascinated by that. Yeah. And he does that everywhere he walks, which was, which made it, you know, how I said, like he couldn't function outside of the house. Right. Everywhere you look, people are out of alignment and he's just going to let you know. (laughs) So the, the best way to parent any child because I believe that these are children that are, I mean, these concepts, because I apply them to all children, all humans really just want to um, be valued and respected for who they are. So the best thing for a parent to do is to get real with who you are. And when you're in alignment with your own truth, then you will be able to see your child for who they really are. And then that's when the conflict will end. Um, I mean, and yes, they are here. They do different things differently. My son is very acoustic. He um, likes the way different sounds are and he sees and recognizes the patterns the geometry within and the frequencies within music it's it's on another level that people don't even understand Mm -hmm. um, energetics that people don't understand but we're so fixated on trying to make them like us we don't realize they have so much to teach us um but yeah, I mean, so he, so he makes a lot of noise with his voice. He's constantly banging on things. He's constantly tapping on things. And as a parent, you know, it's really annoying. Yeah. <laughs> so what's the tendency? Be quiet. Stop that. Don't do that. How many times do we say no to our children? We think we're yeah. keeping them safe. Don't do this. Don't do that. But the truth is children are, their sources are guiding them and they know what they're doing and they're experimenting in ways that um, are you know, beyond our comprehension. So I had to check myself and be like, okay, like I like things that are quiet and calm. He likes things that are noisy. So how can we co-create, how can we coexist? So I get myself some noise canceling headphones. I get him like um, musical instruments that have headphones that he can plug in. And so I'm trying to create an environment so that we can coexist where he's not changing who I am and I'm not going to change who he is. And then that's where we find our um, common ground. And so what is your connection like? (laughs) Amazing. I mean, he is, um, I mean, what a soul agreement. Yeah. Right. Right. Full chills right off. Full chills in my body. 
Hi, yeah. this woman who innately is just like him, but so asleep she doesn't realize it. So in walks this child who um, he woke me up to the truth of who I was. And then I saw the truth of who he was. And it, we were just like, yeah, deeply, deeply connected. And I see all the beauty and amazing aspects that he is. And he, from the beginning, saw it in me. Mm, beautiful. So is there affection? Like, is oh, yeah. there closeness? Absolutely. So he feels safe in his body. In, okay. You have, yeah. You have that. You know, he was like, I guess you could, and I just want to say too, the whole label of the autistic thing is just, it's just a label. We're all, I always like to say, we're all infinite labelless beings. And the only reason why I use the autism label is because a lot of people will be drawn in to hear this message, but I don't, if I could go back in time, I would just be clear that I wouldn't even go through the diagnosis route with my child or put a label on him. Um, but um, yeah, what was I going to say? Oh, I lost my train of thought. Um, well, I have a question about soul contract. I don't know if that's where you were going to okay. go with it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. So, you know, we never know the extent of the soul contract. And we never know, especially, I really hesitate to do this with my son to say, well, I think he's on earth for this purpose. I mean, that would be like a pigeonhole that I don't even want to, that I don't even want to explore. However, you were talking about how, your son um, works with sound and sees the geometries. And I'm wondering if you can share more insights as to potentially what his divine purpose is, or, you know, talking Rose about, about the divine purpose of autism. You know, I don't, I don't know if you want to go there at all. I think I can in relation to, um, because I share a lot of the same, energetic with my son i have um i continuously draw other quote-unquote spectrum people or autistic people into my life and like i shared already that i probably am somewhere on the spectrum myself mm-hmm. um and i also think that this is a common trait too with um uh, human design projectors mm, which i read that on your website and i'm a projector i know you i know you're yeah, a- you did yeah <laughs> <laughs> because i've said it or you could just tell both oh okay Um, so, I mean, we have another, so we can feel into the energetics of other people. Mm -hmm. It's just the nature of who we are. Um, and what I believe this is like, I can speak this for myself and my son and many other projectors and autistic people is really the ability to kind of guide people back into their own alignment so that they can see, they can know their own source and make their own decisions. So, and that's basically what my son does. Um, and that's what I do too. When I work with people, it's like, I see, you can innately see when someone's out of alignment and then through your actions or through, um, energetic work, um, for myself or just through your own being and inspiring, you're gently guiding people back to the truth of who they are. And that's what we're here for. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. So in his reflection, someone who is willing and able will see their mirror mm-hmm. and the discomfort, let's say that arises like mm-hmm. that's, that's the opportunity. Is that that's you- opportunity. And because he can deeply see into other people's energetics. So he's not seeing beyond the surface. He sees um, like we see beyond um, the veil. We see beyond, mm-hmm. we see beyond the energetics of what's being presented. And so you see the truth and then you see the, 
whatever they're expressing in human form and you see the disconnect. So it's just a constant pointing to that. And he's still young and he's still developing his technique. And I did this as a child too, where I would piss a lot of people off because you just, you don't realize that a lot of people don't want to know Oh yeah. The truth, right? Uh-huh. So, oh, um, I know. I'm like, do you want to look at that pile of shit in this room? And they're like, what pile of shit in this room? Like, exactly. so I did I, that my whole life and it was really <laughs> right. And so what are the things to do? We wait for the invitation, right? Right. So we wait for the invitation to share our truth. Um, and that's where we make our impact. Mm-hmm. So is your son verbal? Yes. So he wasn't for a long time. Um, One of the things I believe shifted that. So I believe, um, again, autistic people, human design projectors, um, empaths, whatever label you want to put on these like sensitive people, they're also sensitive with their bodies and beings and diet is very important. Mm -hmm. Um, So when I was pregnant with him, I was just like, you know, McDonald's, like the worst diet. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was not a healthy person, right? Um, And so in the whole process of trying to uncover how to help him, we went down, you know, tried basically cleaned up our diets. But the, when I decided to take chemicals out of his diet, specifically artificial colors and flavors, like the red dyes, Mm -hmm. um, these types of things, he went from nonverbal to speaking within a week. One week. Yeah. In four sentences from not talking. Wow. And you didn't even know that he could. Yeah. Yeah. So there's many things. I mean, I was told when he was young, he would never talk. He would never walk. I would have to take care of this child my whole life that he would be super dependent. And I mean, now he's like, he's almost 10 and he is, um, you know, none of those things. Wow. So tell us about your life now, Um, your life, his life, your life together. So you went through an awakening while you were child was lighting this path for you Mm -hmm. and your soul agreement to do this together. And so, um, how did life change? Well, everything, Yeah, (laughs) every other ways, you know, it took me, this was like many years, a process. Um, but ultimately like, (sighs) um, geez, I mean, I ended up in 2017 leaving my marriage which was really um, stepping into the truth of who I was and realizing that that wasn't working. So that was a huge change. Um, Having the courage to be a single mom raising two kids and knowing everything would be okay, especially um, making the decision to take them out of school and doing that part on my own Mm -hmm. and feeling like I would be supported by the universe because that's where my heart led me um, was a huge change. And so, um, yeah. And now I just, you know, we don't plan our life. We wake up every day when we want to, we, you know, I say (laughs) we chase joy every day and we live, you know, we learn from the life that leads us there. So it's like, what do you want to do today? What do you, what lights you up? And then as a parent, I really just kind of stand out of their way and support them when they need support. But it's, I'm almost just kind of standing back and watching my kids and at the same time, trying to live my own life. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And knowing that we're separate beings as well. Like my whole life is not my children. And, um, I think that that's healthy for kids as well. Yeah. So what's their age difference between them? Um, my daughter is five and my son is almost 10. So he's nine, nine and five. Okay. Are they able to play together? Well, did they get along? Just like every other, probably sibling. Okay. 
Uh-huh. <laughs> sometimes yes and sometimes no, right? They're still, they're very human. Yeah, yeah. So um, so you unschool them. That's yeah. what you've just described. But mm-hmm. if someone hasn't heard that before or someone's like, wait, how do you work and what do you do? And I mean, <laughs> we're recording this in the time of the coronavirus and right. there are so many people that are just first doing the homeschool thing for the very first time or, know. you know, juggling and, and thinking like, ah, how do I do this? And so I know that there's going to be some question when, when people hear this of like, wait, how do you juggle? What do you do? Like, how does that flow? Um, okay. So how would you speak to that? Um, first, I just want to say like the whole, uh, I think that this is a global manifestation of children crying out to to do their own thing. My son woke me up to how the school system really just creates, you know, cookie cutter humans that end up growing up not knowing the truth of who they are. Um, and the difference between homeschooling and unschooling is homeschooling just takes the curriculum from the school system and you do that at home. Unschooling is allowing your child to lead their learning by what interests them. And so you really are discovering who they are as a person. Um, And maybe it is some of the stuff that they teach in school, but you know what? A big chance of it is that it's not. It doesn't matter. It is just all about uncovering what interests them. And I believe the opportunity we have on this planet now is amazing at how we can watch that. And my advice is for parents just to take it easy and not put pressure on themselves or their kids to um, do certain things. Like for me, like I, I don't plan the extensive art projects or the big outings. Like we are so chill. Um, Like I don't, I don't um, put a lot of pressure on myself to get it right. I'm not a perfect parent. Um, And that's okay. I, you know, it gives my children an example of what being human is. Right. Um, So just, I think, you know, the messaging is just to stop spinning our wheels and to just live. And what would it be like if we just were in the vibration of peace and calm and joy and doing stuff that made us feel that way? Mm, for all of us, for adults as well, it's amazing. Yeah, I am just taking in that advice this week yeah. after, yeah, the homeschooling curriculum came Yeah, I here. see so that are stressed. They're like, well, now I got to work from home and I got to do the homeschooling. It's like, no, you don't. This is the beauty of life. You can do whatever you want. Mm, You've yeah. been programmed to think we have to follow a certain program, but the truth is you have your own life and we are the own creators of our own destinies. So if you yeah. don't want to do something, don't do it. I love it. This is so perfect. Thank yeah. you. I'm like, I'm getting schooled right here in this moment because I worked in the school system. I walked away from it. My son doesn't want to do the homeschool stuff. Well, I'm actually, I don't blame him. Let it be. I know. <laughs> right. But like, he's got to still turn it in. Right. Like there's this, this is the thing when I was in the school and when my first step was saying no to homework. So I went to his teachers and I said, we have a no homework rule in my house. And they're like, what, 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 what does that mean? Yeah. And I said, I'm not going to tell my kid what to do when we're at home. And if he wants to do the homework, he can go to his backpack and pull it out and do it and hand it in. But I'm not going to parent. I'm not going to do it for him. I'm not going to force him to sit down. I'm not going to look at his agenda and do it and, and be that parent. So whatever he gets, he gets. <laughs> and was it yeah. did they like that? No. But was my son happy? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so being almost 10 year old, do you have screens in your house? Um, so at their uh, father's house, they do a lot more screen time, (laughs) so they do get access to that. So there's a lot of contrast in our parenting, which I think is 
good because they see, they'll be able to see the difference and then be able to make their own mind up. In my house, I, because they get a little bit more there, I choose to, I don't have a television set. Um, they have iPads, but I limit it to about um, a couple different shows. And this is the age of my kids. Um, so things like Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood, which talks about emotional intelligence um, and then like some shows or apps that are designed around reading, writing, math or science. Um, so when they do feel like they want to get on electronics, they get that kind of uh, learning mm-hmm. um, where I'm starting to explore with my son now because he's into music and recording. Um, and my daughter has shown an interest in actually graphic design. So they, they are allowed electronics, but it has to be very specific. And this is what I tell them. I say, use electronics to become a creator. Do not become a consumer. Mm. So I don't let them sit there and, and do the games and watch um, television and stuff because it's programming their minds. Their subconscious minds are, are being created. So I want them to be bored because that's when they find their creativity. Um, that's when they start, you know, doing kids stuff like we did when we were kids before the iPads were there, you know, like radical ideas such as going outside to play or building Lego or, you know, whatever kids do that's that they do when they're not looking at a screen. Right. 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 I love that. Yeah. Being the creator energy. And I know that, um, there's a lot of, I guess, tendency or, you know, individuals with autism as they get older, um, there's a lot of screen addiction. And so Mm -hmm. I wondered when I worked in the high school, that was one thing that we contended with, but it, it really wasn't escape. I mean, it was, it was an escape from somebody else telling you what to do. Exactly. Well, it's just like food, right? A lot of them struggle um, with that as well. It's just everything is that we just like adults, what do we do? We want to escape the the uncomfortable feelings that we've been avoiding our whole life. Because heaven forbid, if we sit still long enough to realize the truth of who we are. Right. But you got to rip off the bandaid. On the other side, it's much more fun. Right. Oh, right? I love that so much. Thank you. And yeah, the, the perspective, you know, individuals with autism, are highly sensitive. And so there are a lot of reasons for highly sensitive individuals, whatever the label, there mm-hmm. are a lot of, I guess like, like a lot more reasons or a lot more sensitivities to that may be more uncomfortable, that may be overwhelming and, and you may want to escape them. And yeah. so, yeah, so that's where, the, the higher rates of addiction and things like that come from. Um, awesome. Thank you so much. And I'm wondering if there are any final thoughts around parenting children with autism or, you know, mothers specifically mothers who are struggling, maybe hearing the voice in their mind, like, what do I have to do for my child? Or how do I get this right? Or how do I help him or her be or them? the best that they can be um and that pressure that we put on ourselves as parents you know diagnosis or non-diagnosis exactly and so this is what all our children's source what they want from our source is for us to uncover the truth of who we are that's all your children want Mm -hmm. um so you the only thing every human needs to do is to actualize who they are and in that you'll be the best parent because you'll become neutral you won't be triggered um, you'll be loving, you'll be more kind and you will be more, you will lose your judgment. Um, all of the things that cause conflict will disappear when we find, when we sit 
and discover the truth of who we are. The pressure of it having to be a way or if it's supposed to be a certain way. Exactly. There is no one way. Beautiful. Yeah, we're all carrying that truth and that, that is the path. Thank you so much for sharing how you have created a life that really allows your son and daughter and you to live that unfolding. Uh, It's really, really inspirational. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I'm wondering if you can share with folks where they can find you on the web and what even a little bit more about what you do for individuals to come back to the truth of who they are. Sure. Um, I Right now, they can find me at my website, rosemadeline.com. Um, I work with clients one-on-one um, where through conversation, <laughs> I um, am able to pinpoint where they're out of alignment and remind them of the truth of who they are. And I help energetically untangle that for them. Um, I have created also um, a program called the Ascension Map. Um, which kind of walks people through the beginning stages of uncovering who they are. Um, however, even in my own process, in my own journey, um, what I'm going through is that I'm realizing myself that there's, even in that, there's much quicker ways um, that I'm accessing to, um, that it can be even easier than that. So I don't know what I'm going to create next. But um, in the meantime, I just, I do work with people one-on-one. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah, there there really is a lot of opportunity right now to heal deeper, faster. Um, not that that's exactly what it's about, but you know, it doesn't have to be like remembering for faster, a long, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. remembering like, faster. Yeah, <laughs> it was. Such, it's been such a longer process for me, but I'm realizing even in my own remembering as I get deeper and deeper into it, um, things are old programming, limiting beliefs, all the how I untangle energetics for myself and other people. Are, is becoming much, much faster, like almost instant if you are open to it. So, right, um, right. you know, every, it's like I'm constantly upgrading myself and what I'm offering. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, that's the way it is for sure. And, and the world is doing that. And yeah, I think rather than going through, I was just saying this on a call this morning with a group of women, but for so long we've been fixing ourselves. I mean, that's how we go about our personal work. Like there's something wrong with, I have to uncover it. I have to heal it. But really, if we go in through the avenue of aligning with our sacred truth, the truth of who we are, then that's the hack, right? That's the, and you know, I, (laughs) what I'm realizing is that I made spirituality another job. Yes, we do. We do. (laughs) I work with, you know, an amazing, energetic person who helps pull me back into my own alignment and he's like uh when was last time you had some fun (laughs) he's like good point he's like all we need to really do right now all of this you know collective energy is about to remind us how to have fun and be present um and to bring and to let that lead you yeah and to be with our children and while what's that stop spinning the wheels Right, right. And that take that sacred pause. And I love it. As we're talking about this, I'm totally (laughs) being inspired as a mother and uh, the wheels are turning and I hear my child outside in the sun laughing with a friend and I'm like, okay, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's like, there's so much positive. We don't, they, we just need to, parents need to focus on us because we're the messed up ones. They already know. (laughs) They know. Yeah. I'm alone, right? Yeah. Yeah, the difference of my child really wants to take that 
iPad like with him. So I just discovered him outside with the friend with the iPad. I was like, what are you doing? (laughs) (laughs) Go play. So yeah. All right. Well, yeah, we're remembering that I love that reminder to let our kids have that um, access, you know, creatively for them where they have that access where they don't have to go through such an intense remembering. Right. They're not severed from the truth of who they are. So thank you so much, Rose. You're I'm welcome. certainly inspired. Thank you for being here and talking. Thank you for us. giving me the opportunity. I appreciate it. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Rose, for being here today and inspiring all of us. And thank you, listeners, for being here as well. Um, Some of you are really reaching out and letting us know that these interviews are hitting some tender spots in you, some meaningful spots in you, and even changing lives. So that's amazing. That's why I do it. Um, You know, we are modern women waking up to the truth of who we are and it matters. It matters. So if you are loving the stories that you're hearing, I really encourage you to go over to patreon.com. It's P-A-T-R-E-O-N backslash Sarah Poet. And you can put a little bit of energy behind this podcast and behind this movement of sacred remembering. And what Patreon is, is a monthly donation of very small donations, typically, unless you want to give a really big one, that's amazing too. Um, But it's for artists and creators to have some energetic and financial backing for their work. And I'm welcoming this into this world of the sacred remembering podcast now. So patreon.com backslash Sarah poet, and you can offer $5, $10 or a custom amount in there. And thank you to those of you who have already done so, we have like the core fan group who is definitely supporting the podcast. And I totally appreciate that. Shout out all of you. And yeah, I encourage you to just like really go for it. If you, um, if you like what you're hearing, you know, $5 a month doesn't seem like a lot. So you might be like, Oh, I'll just skip it. But really what it is, is energy. It's energy and it's support. And, um, I totally, totally appreciate it. So thank you so much. Come back next week for more interviews about the mother. We're going to be talking about um, parenting boys as single mothers next week. So we'll see you then. Bye. This is Sarah Poet of Embodied Breath, and thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I'm curious, what was your biggest takeaway? Remember that you are not alone on the sacred path and women are rising now together. You can visit my website, sarahpoet.com for more tools and inspiration to support your sacred remembering path. Please be sure to check the show notes, subscribe to this podcast, share with a friend and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. I love to hear from you. Stay connected and here's to your path of sacred remembering.